RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. All right, so welcome to Closing the Distance. My name is Lindsay Slocum, and I am—I um, have the privilege of talking to Jeff Myers, our senior pastor, about his sermon yesterday. Jeff, it was a fantastic sermon yesterday. So good. Super powerful. We had a staff meeting this morning, and there was a lot of conversation uh, at the staff meeting about how good the sermon was, and um, just so, so good. So thank you for that, and I'm looking forward to talking to you about the sermon. Thanks, Lindsay. Well, and you know, I had a couple of weeks off where I, I didn't have to preach. So I had a lot, I had a lot of pent up, uh, a lot of time to <laughs> stockpile information and think about it. So that's always helpful. Ah, the, the, the secret. Um, okay. But we, we do need to have some really serious conversation, obviously about the sermon and we need to start with the really important things. And I want to make sure we have plenty of time to spend on your two truths and a lie about me as you started your sermon. <laughs> so in case you um, haven't had time to watch the sermon yet, uh, Jeff, yesterday the sermon was about things that are true and are kind of absolutely true. We're going to talk about what scripture gives us as absolute truths. And so Jeff was talking about things that were true about me. One of them being that I love cheese and not just like grocery store cheese, but like I want to go to a cheese shop and eat cheese. I love cheese. Um, and the second one's that I eat peanut butter and he kind of, I eat peanut butter out of a jar and Jeff, you kind of like played it off, like refined people don't do this, but I posted on Facebook yesterday and I have a lot of people telling me that they do the very same thing. Matter of fact, they've given me some ideas to how to take it to the next level. One person said that she scoops the peanut butter out and then sprinkles a couple M&Ms on top. And eats her peanut butter that way. So <laughs> I've got some new. Yeah, I clearly, I clearly am out of yeah, out of step with culture. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm very particular. I that's and I, I'm a skippy peanut butter person. I I do take my peanut butter very. You seriously. know, so I just talked to somebody in the church office. People are bringing in jars of skippy peanut butter that you know for you. They're dropping <laughs> it off. We got a whole donation. <laughs> Yeah. We can't get well, people to tithe, but by golly, <laughs> they will bring Lindsay, you know, her skippy peanut butter. Oh, well, in, which, in that case, let's talk about my love of shoes. <laughs> Whatever that's going to, however people want to like care for me in that way. <laughs> we, we, you, now you did, that might've been the most controversial thing of your sermon. It was the shoe topic because you're you were making the assertion that I have more shoes than you have 
I, we, I don't know how to settle this. I don't know if we need to have like a count off. I'm not convinced that I have more shoes. You certainly wear a different pair every single day. So. Well, well, Lindsay. Okay. How about, how about we get your spouse to take a picture of your shoe closet and we'll get my spouse to take a picture of my shoe closet and we can compare and see. People, here's the thing, Lindsay, I, I have like a little bit of a different strategy. Like, so most of the time, I mean, you see me, you know, five days a week, but most people see me one day a week. Um, and so they see me one day a week and it's on Sunday. And really I only wear like my sneakers on Sundays. Okay. For the most part. And I rotate. So, and most people come to church every other Sunday, one, a third Sunday, once a fourth Sunday. So if I have, let's say a dozen sneakers and then I wear them, but you only come to church every fourth Sunday, it's going to take you. I can't even do that kind of math. It's going to take you like four years to see all the sneakers. Well, I've only had 12 pairs of sneakers. And also I do buy and sell a lot of them. So some that you may have seen in the past may no longer be under my ownership. I see. I see. I, I will say I was thinking about the shoe thing um, because you're right. You, your Sunday shoe game is a lot more um, adventurous than mine is. But, you know, when I first started way back, I mean, when I'm 20, how old am I? 25, 26, however old I was when I started, um, I got some feedback that my shoes were distracting. And so now I have very limited Sunday shoe selection. It's always very basic pumps, unless it's like Pentecost and then I'll go red or whatever, but my really fun shoes I usually save. So yeah, maybe I'll have to start sprinkling some of those in on Sundays. Yeah. Well, and honestly, <laughs> like, you know, all joking aside, I probably get more emails about sneakers than I do many other things, spiritual topics. Um, it was just, hopefully it's not over, overwhelming the message, but I, but really like our young people, like our high schoolers, middle schoolers, it's such a sneaker culture. And it was when I was a kid and I always loved having uh, a pair of Jordans. You know, I didn't have what I have now, obviously, but my parents would splurge. It was a big deal when I got a new pair of sneakers for basketball yeah. or whatever. And honestly, now, like with our young people, it's like probably the easiest conversation starter with them that like, they, they're like, what, I like your shoes, Jeff, or um, where'd you get those? Or what are those called? And it's an easy way in a not to talk about something that's not awkward. Cause most high schoolers are not going to be like, Hey, Jeff, um, I really, I was really had this deep prayer time last night and um, I was reading the Bible and the Lord just spoke to me. You know, they're, it's just, they're not going to come up and say that to me. But this gives an easy way for us to talk about something where our cultures and interests in our overlap and it's fun and it's lighthearted. And so I hope it's, um, I hope it's, you know, fun, especially that I can, um, you know, kind of speak some of our young people's uh, same language. Oh, absolutely. Well, and you and I have talked before too, because I have boys that live at my house and that has been a really lovely way for them to connect in with you and, um, and with the church thing. So it's not just, you know, mom up there talking again, but like 
they actually have something to connect with you about. And um, so I, I no, I'm, I say, go for it. I'm just saying you are inspiring me that maybe my, I can up my shoe game on Sundays a little bit, get a little more adventurous on Sundays. So we'll see. We'll see if we'll I can see. pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> I think also, I just think, I think people want to, it's just fun. And I think like, I think it helps, you know, at church, I just don't think historically we thought of church as being fun and enjoyable and beautiful. And I think, I think it's just, it's a way we can kind of live into that. We don't take ourselves too seriously mm-hmm. and it's, um, you know, and, and, you know, it helps some of us self-justify buying more shoes. <laughs> I do. I know that that's, this isn't why we're here today. And so we can switch over to the sermon, but at some point, let's do have a conversation, uh, a closing the distance conversation around that, around this idea of of church and fun. And kind of, I think that that's a really interesting conversation and a fascinating topic for us to explore. I think that would be a really interesting conversation. Love that. Okay. So Yesterday, you gave us two truths, two things that scripture tells us are always true, that all of us have sinned, uh, all humans have sinned, and that God forgives. You used this phrase yesterday, and I'm super curious if this is a Jeff Myers original or if you um, borrowed it from somebody. It was, I wrote it down multiple times. It was so powerful. And, and then when uh, in the 1045 service, I used it several times in communion. You kept talking about uh, there's more grace in God than sin in us. Is that your phrase? Did you take that from someone? It's so good. I, I wish I could say it was my phrase. I don't <laughs> think so. I, I don't know where I heard it or read it. Um, I, I, I honestly can't remember, but it's something that's always stuck with me. And it always kind of comes up when I talk on these themes. I just think it's such a succinct yeah. phrase that's really memorable about our belief about who God is and about who we are. And kind of the inequity of relationship um, mm. uh, of it and how gracious God is to us. So um, <laughs> it is such a great line. And I, uh, maybe I'll check, but I cannot remember for the life of me where I heard it. Bro, it was so good. It, it, like I said, we were doing communion. I probably said it 15 times in communion. because I just yeah. kept coming back to this concept and that, and especially as we were gathering around, around a communion table and there's always a little bit of, wrestling with, am I worthy enough to be at this communion table? It's like, well, no, this table is a reminder of the, the fact that there's more grace in God than sin in us. So I, I thought it was just really, really good. Okay. Okay. So let's, so that first truth then that you talked about this idea of, um, of everybody's sinning and, and you used, you referenced the verse that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, and there's several things that you said there, you talked about, um, that we live in a broken world and that because we are people who sin that we can tribute to its constant breaking. I thought that was a super powerful phrase. I wrote that one down too. Um, and so, okay. So I spent some time thinking about this and pondering it because I, I think as a general rule, I don't think people would disagree with that. I think our, our culture, even the non-religious culture, I think would agree nobody is perfect, that everybody messes up somehow or whatever. So I think, I don't know if that's inherently a necessarily religious statement, but I'm wondering in our culture, are we, do we struggle with more of a, um, a scale, right? That someone else's sin is worse than mine or 
mine's not that bad or whatever. And so we kind of wrestle with, we're, we're willing to acknowledge that we're not perfect. The good news is that we're just not as bad as that person, I guess. And so I'm just wondering, when we think about sin and this idea that all have sinned, does scripture give us any, any indication or do you feel like that there are some sins that are worse than others? Are some people going to be like further on the bad end of the spectrum when it comes to sinning? So, so help me out. So you're saying, so I think there is, so Reinhold Niebuhr, who's one of the great kind of theorists and theologians to think about sin, especially as it applies to the 20th century. Um, he says uh, that like, let me get it right here. It's, um, uh, it's a, uh, oh, shoot. Well, I, yeah, we're, there is this equality in sin. We all, I think we all sin, um, but there's an inequality of guilt. Oh, okay. So Say like, more about that. That's good. So like you may hate somebody, uh, you know, in your heart and that's, that's sin, right? But if you go and murder that person, we would agree that that's probably worse. Sure. Yes. Um, and so I think like in that way, um, there's different, different levels of sin, but I, but I think I don't really want to get into too much of like coming up with gradations of what's worse and what's less worse. Does that make sense? Is that kind of what you're Yeah. Yeah. I think it is because I think that that's what I think that's what our, our culture, I think that's part of what the culture is wrestling with right now. Because I, like I said, I think everybody's willing to agree that nobody's perfect or nobody's agenda or their religious ideologies or their political ideologies. Like, I think everybody is willing to admit that none of them are perfect. I just think that when we kind of instead of kind of looking at each other as all forgiven people, I think that there are part of the the conflict is it's like, well, my sin's not quite as bad as yours. So I'm a little bit closer to God. Mine's a little more correct. And, um, and that makes me a little bit better when it comes to this whole Christian thing or just doing life thing. And, um, and I, but I think that part of what is at the essence of that truth that you were talking about yesterday is that we kind of all have to acknowledge just the severity of our sin. Like that's why we need God to, yeah. you, you talked about um, cutting through the heart, the line dividing good and evil cuts through every human or whatever. And I, I just think yeah. that we've got to acknowledge that kind of the everybody, like it's, it's cutting through everybody. Yeah. Okay. So th- this helps. So Lindsay, so okay. there was a version of the sermon that I kind of went down, like, different ideas about sin and evil okay in the world and there's an idea one of the uh, opponents of augustine was the what we call the manichaeans and the manichaeans had this idea that there was like a principle of like all good and then there was a principle of all bad okay and then it was applied often to the world okay and you'll hear about a manichaean worldview that there's all good it could or all bad like so let's say um so uh, uh, we could say in the Cold War, the United States was all good 
and the Soviet Union was all evil. Well, that'd be a very Manichaean worldview because you could come up with places in ways that America was flawed and you could come up with places where Russia, you know, was good. And there, you know, uh, whether it was artistically or sports wise, you know, and to say somebody's all good all the way down or all bad all the way down is an unhelpful way to look at the world. Yet that is because human beings are binary. We want to see either or um, ones or zeros. We want to see black or white. It makes it very clear who's in, who's out. Okay. But that's not a Christian view. Christian view is that all have sinned and fallen short of glory of God. And so there's, um, you know, there is uh, uh, what Kierkegaard and Bart called, you know, um, an infinite qualitative distinction between us and God, right? Mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. that break, and the only way that can bridge that chasm is if God would come to us. And that's what Christians believe God has done in Jesus Christ. Okay. But part of me, when I'm talking about that, wants to be really careful. Okay. Pause. So we might talk about this in the, as the concept of original sin. Okay. Original sin historically, and if you go back to Augustine, and this has to do with kind of his hangups around sex and the body, <laughs> which is a whole different discussion, but that like sin is almost like physically like passed on through procreation. It's almost like a, a substance even that's passed on that you just inherit it. Okay. Well, nowadays we go, well, that's not really faithful to the bi biblical kind of picture of sin. And, and it doesn't make sense of like physics and science. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and that's one of the reasons. Um, okay. So, so original sin isn't a something physical that's passed on. But it's it's an act that we're that we're born into, okay? Because the and that's why I tell the story about the breaking of you know the glass, throwing the rocks. Because I think that's a helpful way to understand that when you're born in original into you're born into the world, you inherit original sin. It's just that you're born into a world that's broken, and you don't have the power, the the insight, the wisdom to fix it. And so one of the things philosophers talk about, and I use this language as well, is the problem of dirty hands. That mm -hmm. it's really hard to act in the world without uh, dirty hands. Okay. So I remember back when I was in college, um, buy, we were talking about shoes. It became, don't buy Nike sneakers because, you know, they're made in sweatshop factories or they're exploiting labor. Well, you, okay, I'm not going to do that. The problem is, is what are you going to buy instead? Well, I'm, I'm going to go make my own shoes. Well, where did that leather come from? What, you know, who was, well, the leather came from India and, oh, probably actually not India because they protect their cows, but um, maybe somewhere else, um, you know, and, or, or think about your food. Oh no. You know, where does your food come from? Like, and if you do enough research, and I've got like, if you think about your iPhone, well, there's all these stories about how iPhones are created. Well, they mine, um, you know, the, you know, a lot of the uh, uh, chemical parts, uh, exploit labor, exploit the earth, uh, do damage. You know, it, in the end, if you try to live like morally and ethically uh, pure and think you can do it, you quickly realize you can't. That makes sense. 
yes, it's it's very um, uplifting. <laughs> well, that, and this is and this is what's so great, I think, about the good news of Jesus Christ is yeah. that God meets us in our sin when we can't help ourselves. Yes. And so we're not we're not nihilist going well to heck with it. We can't do any good in the world. But we are also not, um, you know, my favorite word, Panglossian. We're not inappropriately optimistic about things. Mm-hmm. But we live in a, and this is what Niebuhr was so good at and maybe too good at, but we live in a broken world. How do we still act to try to do good, to minister to people, but never have a savior com- complex or think that we are saints or something? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that helps. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it, it brings up a million thousand more questions, but yeah, no, I think that's really, that's really good. Um, okay. But here, this is one of the things I wanted to, so you were just talking about that we're, we're, we inherit this broken world, right? The dirty hands that we're all, there are things that are out of our control that's that's no uh, those aren't the words that you used but um but essentially like we can't help it like we're going to find ourselves in this sin okay so one of the things that comes out of the scripture and then we talked about you talked about a lot yesterday then was this idea of um well you you compared it to the 12-step program and you but you said at step zero there has to be a step zero where you acknowledge that this is where that things have to change that this isn't okay and things have to change um, and the, you know, the scripture says, if we confess, then God is gracious. So I guess then, I, I guess I want to kind of, um, figure out how to navigate that line. Then when you're talking about like that we're in the sin and we can't, we need God to come to us, but the implication seems to be from scripture that there has to be this acknowledgement on our part before God will come in to forgive the sin either. So it, it feels to me like there's a bit of a, paradox then that we're wrestling with in that is that fair to say or, or well i think it, in jesus christ we can say god's grace is already there for us we mm. simply have not turned towards it that, that god does not um coerce us into re- into relationship or into receiving grace but it's a free gift but the notion of a gift is that you you can either say no or you can receive it but a gift is received okay it's not pushed on it's not forced on you because then it doesn't become a gift right it comes an obligation a duty um and so and so i would say you know when we talked about step zero is maybe the biblical language of repentance okay and a lot of us have when we think about repentance we have kind of the camp t- tent meeting at altar calls going down to the front and that might be the form it takes but the word repentance in greek is metanoia and meta means to change and noia has to do with knowledge so it means a change of mind a change of thinking and so when you come to step zero in the 12 step program it's like i'm about to start thinking about myself and in the world in a new way and i realize this is a total paradigm shift that i'm going to have to think about my life in a new way Okay. And whether that has to do with alcohol, drugs, sex, food, whatever it might be, okay. that I'm thinking about it in, in, in myself, in the world, in a new way. And that's repentance. And so when God calls us to repentance, let's think, what does it mean to love God 
and love my neighbor as myself. And for, if I've been totally self-absorbed my whole life, that's going to be a big change for me. But that's repentance. That's a metanoia. That's a change of mind, a change of mindset. And so really every, um, every day, every Sunday is a time for us to metanoia, to reorient ourselves again, to remind ourselves who, who we are and whose we are in the world. Well, and so back to, I totally agree with that. And then back to, you know, in the, in the modern service, that's part of why we have communion every week. And there's this kind of gathering around the table every week of reminding ourselves of that grace of God and this, um, the, the pursuit of God and yeah. And this kind of constantly changing our mind back to being focused on God. And yeah, I wish that I wish that we um, had two weeks to talk about this because I think there's still so many really important conversation topics that are in here. Um, and just even, just even in like the things you're saying, there's all these more questions that are coming up, but I know that our time is wrapping up. So thank you so much for this. And, um, and I am just, we're going to have to also continue the conversation about our shoes. Like I'm wondering if maybe we can see who can go the longest without doubling up on their shoes. I don't know. We'll have to think about what that plan's going to be. Um, next Sunday or this coming Sunday, I guess I should say, um, I get to preach and we're going to talk about, we're looking at a passage from the gospel of Matthew about loving our enemies. So, um, I don't know if I'm the best, most qualified person for the job, but we're going to look at what scripture says, nonetheless, <laughs> and figure out where to go from there. Well, you still have, you still have a whole week to like, to kind of like make some enemies. And so that would <laughs> maybe help. And then Lindsay, always remember on Monday, next noon, closing the distance, I get to interview you. So, so uh, thanks for going easy on me today. Good, good. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Well, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. And thanks again for a really powerful sermon yesterday. It was just really fantastic. Awesome. Thanks, Lindsay. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks. See you next week. Bye.